Let's pray. Father, as we think about this morning the importance of light, and particularly you, your Son, as the light of the world. Father, as we think about this time of year, may we unpack what that means for us. Does it mean for us today and the days ahead as you really are the one who brings light to our lives and the one who brings light to our world? We need you, Heavenly Father. Amen. I'm pretty excited about this theme, Light of the World. I've listened to uh, Christmas songs now for the last three weeks on my radio all the time. And my uh, purpose of that, of course, is because it's such beautiful and wonderful music. But also to get me prepared and think about the importance of this special time of year. It's great that we have these kind of themes, Lenten and Advent seasons, each year so that we can bring special focus to the importance of what God is doing in the world through His Son, Jesus. And we're going to look at what it means, what, unpack what it means to be the light of the world that brings sight, that brings life, healing, joy, security, and hope. And so I encourage you as we think about that theme, let's focus on Jesus, the light of the world. I think what we find out in our world today that we find a lot of obsession focusing on the darkness or focusing on what's going on in our world. And I see so much stewing over what's taking place. And there's one thing as believers to be informed what's going on in the world and to find ways that we can find the expression of bringing the light to the world. But I don't think God calls us to be stewing over and fixating on the things that are going on that are destructive and things that grieve our hearts. That shouldn't that be our focus, even though we have to pay attention to it somewhat. Spiritually, I think we need to focus more intently on what brings life and what brings light into our lives. As the things that pass and go dim as the song we sang, in light of His glory and His grace, I really think we need spiritually to intently focus on what brings light and life into our lives. I was looking at a bunch of pictures that illustrate the importance of light. And one of my favorite artists I really enjoy is Terry Redlin. I brought my mug here today with you, and I use that to take a drink from time to time. I love his pictures because of the lights. He's a master. Other artists are as well. He's a master of lights. Look at the lights. How do you create such light as an artist? It's a gift. It's an incredible gift. And I was looking at all kinds of pictures uh, a couple days ago on light, and I really appreciate him. The man who, his pictures always lift up family, the land, the country. And if you ever go to Watertown and see his museum, I encourage you to do that, because that is really a lot of light in that place. It's a fantastic place. I um, was looking to find some night lights for our place up north when my family comes. And there's, you know, some of those light lights are so dim, you, can, you know, you can hardly make your way because they're so dim. And I just want to find one that would be just suiting. So I went to a place and found these lights that you stick on the wall with a switch. And when our grandkids come up, we have a, a closet in our place up north that's huge. It's as big as a bedroom. And we lay down a mattress there and a blowed up mattress and they just pile on there. So I wanted to find this light, so I got this one and put it on the wall and turned it on. The only problem is, it lit up the whole room. You can't sleep in that one. The whole room is lit up. It's just too much light on that occasion. So I'll try to find a middle ground somewhere. But light is so critically important to us because light brings sight. Do you know that the absence of light caused blindness? People that are in dungeons in the past or people that are in solitary confinement with no light 
give it some time and they will become blind. And that's really a reality what happens physically. I also believe that also happens spiritually. We become spiritually blind as we have the absence of God's light in our life. And so it's very, very important to realize this morning how light brings sight to us spiritually. A key verse for the series that we want to look at is the one that says in 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we have heard from Him, heard from God, heard from Jesus, and declare to you, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Wherever the presence of God is, through His Son, through His Spirit, wherever His presence is, it brings light. It brings hope. We think of the verses that was read this morning from Isaiah chapter 9, that great, great prophet, most significant prophet in terms of Advent season is the great Isaiah. In Isaiah 9, 2, he says, The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. In the context of that passage is a terribly difficult situation for the people of Israel, particularly the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom, as the kingdom split, was named as Israel. And that kingdom was under assault by the Assyrians, who were the most bloodthirsty of all. There are no ancient people that were more bloodthirsty in their conquest than the Assyrians. And when this passage is written about darkness and light, they are experiencing great darkness because the horde of the Assyrians is pouring into the land, destroying everything in their path, surrounding the capital of Samaria and literally decimating it and destroying it taking most of the people that were left and taking them up to Assyria, scattered them away from their families, away from their communities, and bringing ancient Assyrians and bring them down and settle them in that land. And that was a policy of the ancient Assyrians to, to see to it that they have no uprisings in the future. History is very important because those folks of, of Assyrian and Israelite blood become the Samaritans, which has long history in biblical understanding. But this was a dark time. Very dark and difficult time. We think we have it bad now. We look at our world to what they faced and the destruction that they were experiencing. So the people were walking in darkness. They have, and they needed a great light. Living in darkness, there was a time that they were anticipating in Isaiah when the light would dawn and there would be hope again for his people. The hope, of course, comes in the return of some of them and the lower kingdom back to the land but it's a much more far-reaching hope, a much greater hope of light that will appear. For we see in the dawning of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 4, which is quoted in Isaiah chapter 9, this applies to the arrival of Jesus in His ministry in Galilee. He says the light has dawned and these places that are identified are the region of Galilee. And He comes and He says, I come to that you will repent for the kingdom of heaven, this great kingdom that God has inaugurated throughout all time, this come near. And it's come near in this one who is the king from the line of David, who is the, the ultimate, the final high priest, also the priest who offers and the offering itself, as well as the great prophet for up on the mountain of transfiguration, God says, this is my son, listen to him. This one who is the king and the priest and the prophet has come and he's a message of repentance because his kingdom is drawing near. Folks, that was a very, very dark time. It was a very dark time. We think of Rome and we think of the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, and this extensive kingdom, and we think, what a great period of time. Well, the peace, folks, was a forced peace. 
And for the common people who lived in the empire of Rome, this was not a pleasant experience at all. Only for the elite, not for the people who are common. How would you like a Caesar like Tiberius? Last 14 years of his life, he hated Rome so much he left and went on an island. An island that was characterized by sexual perversion, bringing little children all the time to the islands to swim with the emperor, child molestation, and cruelty. And this is the leader of the Roman Empire. We have Pontius Pilate, who was wicked and a tyrannical person, who is in such a contrast to his wife, who is venerated by this as a saint in the Eastern Orthodox Church because of her cautions to her husband regarding this special person who is Jesus. How would you like to be under Pontius Pilate, who even Tiberius banned him to an island for the rest of his life because he was such a terrible leader? How would you like to live for the religious leaders of the Sanhedrin who are secularists under the guise of religion, which is the most dangerous? This was, folks, a very, very dark and difficult time. And we think that we have it so bad. In the dark times, in the darkest of times, we need the light of God. We need the light that shines brightly of the Messiah who came to inaugurate to the fullest extent of His kingdom to bring it to light and to bring us hope. John 9 talks about sight. Scripture passes where Jesus makes an important statement, for judgment I came into this world. I came into this world for judgment, to make a judgment that the blind will see and those who think they see will become blind. The context of that passage is a healing ministry of Jesus. You have to look at Isaiah chapter 35 and Isaiah 61 to see the unbelievable expectation when the Messiah comes of an extensive healing ministry that He will do. It's not just extensive, it's an overkill. He overkilled the fulfillments of those expectations as a great Messiah. On that occasion, He healed somebody who had been born blind. Can you imagine somebody from their birth? Speak about a person who has experienced darkness. And the healing happened on the Sabbath. You think of all days that that would be a special day to heal on the special Sabbath. But in the Jewish system where they had over 30 to 40 exemptions of, of the Sabbath to box it in so that you don't offend the Sabbath, this was considered a work activity on the Sabbath to actually heal somebody. And so he heals somebody and he comes under scrutiny. This man is interrogated by the religious leaders and insulted by the religious leaders. And he was, he was literally thrown out of the temple because he was healed. And he literally questioned them. He says, how can you deny the fact that I was blind and now I see? And even the evidence presented to them, they still were hardness of their hearts. And they insulted him. After that encounter, Jesus comes and seeks him out. Isn't that interesting that the God seeks us out? Christ sought him out to have a reunion this man. And he raises a question to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? It's only used twice, by the way, in the New Testament, the Son of Man. But it's Jesus' self-designation coming from the great book of Ezekiel. And, and the question becomes, who is he? he? This man asks, well, who is this one? Who is the Son of Man? And Jesus replies, he's the one who healed you. He's the one who's prophesied to come and heal you. 
And He is now speaking to you. The former blind man now sees both physically and now he takes on new lenses spiritually and he falls down in worship of Jesus, this One who is truly the Messiah. And the proper response when we encounter Jesus is to fall down in worship to Him. By the way, in that passage back in Isaiah chapter 9, the hope was one who had come a child will be born, a son will be given. And the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, blasphemous to, to claim anybody such names and titles unless they are one of supreme deity. And so that one comes, and Jesus comes and says, I am the one. I am the one that was spoken back in Isaiah. This man is healed. Any time anybody encounters truly Jesus, they will, their response will be worship. Any time you encounter Jesus, the absolute response will be worship. That's the power of the Gospel. You see, blindness Jesus is using as also a metaphor. Jesus' person and work brings division and judgment. The old phrase, if the shoe fits, put it on, he says to the hearers of the day. And Jesus becomes a spiritual line of demarcation for us. He will move people to recognize they are spiritually blind so that they can see. You hear that? He wants people to understand that they're spiritually blind, that they're spiritually absolutely broken, that they're spiritually absolutely bankrupt and cannot see as a qualification before they can see. And He wants to force people who think they see the case of the religious leaders and all others who think that they're just fine. I don't need Jesus to hopefully realize that they are deeply spiritually blind. Thus separating those who truly see from those who are the imposters. Jesus always, and the Gospel, turns worldly wisdom on its head. The religious ones of all people were spiritually blind. They were blind folks. And the broken blind ones were able to see. We need to understand also that we as Christians share the same role as Jesus. We also become a, my, a, a spiritual line of demarcation. For Paul says in Corinthians, for we are, the God, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death and to the other we are an aroma that brings life. The life we live, the words we share, the gospel we proclaim becomes a line of demarcation which either people are repulsed, and not by reactions, but repulsed ultimately because darkness reigns. And then there are those that see something authentic, the life of Christ. And for them, it brings life. The story of a man named Rob who went from filthy rags to riches and now back to rags again. He was in a bad car accident and it kind of altered and wrecked his vision. And the Pharisee-like insurance company only cared about not having to pay much in damages. Instead of denying that he is blind, they said, well, you're really not too bad off. It's not too bad at all. But in his life, things actually got quite worse. He was abused sexually, even violently throughout his youth and his young adulthood, he was a plaything for others as well as women, both inside and outside of the home. But then Rob met and had a real encounter with Jesus. 
Jesus got rid of the abusive people in his life, taking ownership of Rob's body and his soul. Rob's past no longer defined him. When his past no longer defined him because of Jesus, then his family disowned him. Just like the man who was healed of his blindness, many of John's first readers. Perhaps you this morning have experienced similar rejection. He was cut out of the family will. He was deemed a failure by his family. But after he met Jesus from a spiritual standpoint, he was a success. He went to Bible college, and after college he went to Silicon Valley, climbed the ladder. But then this car wreck happened to him, and his life again tumbled down. I can see, but now I'm blind. He had no intention, however, of taking Jesus to the store to customer returns. In fact, he had destroyed the receipt. Rob sees with his eyes of faith who Jesus really is, and he causes the blind to truly see. When we come to see, we find that Jesus messes with our lives, not cleaning everything up right now. As far as Jesus is concerned, he comes to judge the world to those who claim to be spiritually, who claim we can see spiritually blind, and those who know they are spiritually blind to see spiritually. And so as he judges, Jesus is going to make a whole lot messier of our lives potentially before we get around to cleaning it up. Rob's story. Let me just suggest to you that without Jesus, we're blind to a couple things. Without the light of Christ, we're blind to two things, our circumstances and our motives. These folks, the religious leaders of Jesus' world, were so wrapped up in their religious world that they failed to enter into the broken world to offer hope to those who desperately needed it. Here was a man whose life was characterized by blindness. Here was a man whose life was also characterized by spiritual blindness. And they were so wrapped up in their own circumstances that they failed to see. They were so wrapped up into the dark world, their world, that they failed to see the light, the true light that Christ brings. They also, the religious leaders, cared less about this man who was blind from birth. They cared less about him. They were more concerned about their religious life. And as a result, they lacked this deep compassion. And you know what Jesus does to us when we move in deeply with him? He sensitizes us to the real needs of people. And our circumstances change, and our evaluation of church circumstances change in our lives, and we see things, and we see people that we never saw before because we're spiritually sensitized to the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives. And also our motives change. What was the motives in the hearts of these religious leaders? It was dark. It was hardened. Jesus sensitizes to us to our motives. Our inner heart, as the James series helped us to understand, the work of the Spirit. Motives of the religious leaders was control and conformity. That's not our motives. We woo people by the God's amazing grace, the Savior who brings life. And so I say to you this morning as we begin this Advent series, how is your sight today? How is your sight today? For us that have tracked with God for a period of time, familiarity brings, they say, contempt, but I say insensitivity. As we journey through life, we can become quite insensitive because of familiarity. This Advent season, I ask you to move deeply. Move deeply into the reality of Christ. See how He provides such deep light in our lives, because we need it. 
Not just this season. We need every day the light of Christ. And maybe some of you today think you're spiritually alive, but you're spiritually blind because somehow you think that you are good enough or by some way, because of your inherent goodness, you're going to see. And that blindness is deep. And it's deep among religious people. And so we have to recognize we have to be spiritually bankrupt and broken and blind before we come to Christ. So as we begin this wonderful Advent season, we want to focus on Jesus as the light of the world. Amen.